Good, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, I guess. Um, I'm calling to order the Board of Supervisors meeting for February 13th. This is a special meeting of the Marin County Board of Supervisors to be held at 12 p.m. in the chambers of the Marin County Civic Center. The business is to be transacted at the special meeting consists of two matters described below, which are co closed session items. So I want to do roll call really quickly, please. Thank you. Sure. Supervisor Lucan. Here. Supervisor Rice. Here. Supervisor Moulton Peters. Here. Supervisor Sackett. Here. Supervisor Wardani. Here. Thank you. So we're going to take public comment on the two items for closed session today. Is there anyone online that wants to make a comment? President Rodoni, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, I see no one in the chamber. So we're going to um, adjourn as a, sorry, reconvene in open session. Uh, sorry, start over. Recess of the Board of Supervisors and go into closed session and we'll be returning at 1.30 in open session. Thank you.
Good afternoon, everyone. We're returning from the Marin County Board of Supervisors out of closed session. And I, my announcement is we have taken no action in closed session. There's nothing to announce today. And then we're going to adjourn as Marin County Board of Supervisors and convene as Marin County Housing Authority Board of Commissioners. And could the clerk take the roll, please? Commissioner Camson. Commissioner Rice. Here. Commissioner Lucan. Here. Commissioner Hall. Here. Commissioner Sackett. Here. Commissioner Moulton Peters. Here. Commissioner Brodoni. Here. Could we please have the video giving instructions, please? Welcome to the Marin County Board of Supervisors meeting. This meeting offers the chance for everybody to participate in person or via Zoom and offers interpretation to Spanish through Zoom. During the meeting, the board president will announce when it's time for the public to comment on agenda items and its time limit. Public comment should not exceed two minutes. For those attending in person, you're invited to use the podium when the president announces open time for public expression. If you require wheelchair access, you can go to the designated microphone at the front of the room. When participating on Zoom and it's your opportunity to speak, your name will be announced and you'll be prompted to unmute your device. Due to a slight delay in the live stream, we recommend joining the meeting ahead of the item discussion. For those joining by phone, press star nine if you'd like to comment. You may begin speaking once you hear you are unmuted. If you want to make your comment in Spanish, please say, I need Spanish interpretation and wait for instructions. A reminder to all participants, the Marin County Board of Supervisors encourages respectful dialogue, fostering free speech and embracing diverse opinions. All attendees are expected to maintain civility, refraining from questioning others' character or motives. Thank you. Now you will hear the instructions in Spanish. Bienvenidos a la reunión de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Marín. Esta reunión ofrece la oportunidad a todos de participar en persona o a través de Zoom. A través de Zoom, usted puede escuchar la reunión en español. Durante la reunión, el presidente de la Junta anunciará cuándo es el momento para que el público comente sobre los puntos de la agenda y el tiempo establecido para los comentarios. Los comentarios del público no deben exceder los dos minutos. Para los asistentes en persona, se les invita a utilizar el estrado cuando el presidente anuncia el momento de expresión pública. Si necesita acceso en silla de ruedas, puede dirigirse al micrófono designado en la parte delantera de la sala. Cuando participe en Zoom y sea su oportunidad de hablar, se anunciará su nombre y se le pedirá que active el micrófono de su dispositivo. Debido a un ligero retraso en la retransmisión en directo, le aconsejamos que se una a la reunión antes de la discusión del punto. Para los que se unan por teléfono, pulse estrella 9 si desea hacer algún comentario. Podrá empezar a hablar en cuanto oiga, active su micrófono. Si desea hacer su comentario en español, diga, necesito interpretación al español y espere instrucciones. Un recordatorio para todos los participantes. 
La Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Marín alienta el diálogo respetuoso, fomentando la libertad de expresión y acogiendo opiniones diversas. Se espera que todos los asistentes mantengan el civismo, absteniéndose de cuestionar el carácter o los motivos de los demás. Gracias. Thank you Thank for you. that. So now we're going to the first item, which is item A. It's open time for items not on the commission's agenda, but within the jurisdiction of the commission. I'll take speakers first online, then in the chamber. Just a reminder that if there's many speakers, I may limit this to 45 minutes, finishing up open time comments at the end of the agenda. I also want to remind everyone to please direct their comments to the commission, not to staff. The commission needs to hear directly from you, so don't make your comments to staff or about staff. Please make them to us. Thank you very much. And we'll go to the online members first, please, Al. Okay, anyone in the chamber wish to speak in open time? Okay, thank you very much. I'm going to move to item B. Go ahead. Uh, house is three, right? Okay, um, my name is Royce McLemore, and I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I would just like to share another option in terms of looking for funding. Yesterday I called and talked to the um, conservation of uh, the preservation, preservation office in DC, uh, being that I was a member of it. And I talked to them in terms of what type of opportunities are available in terms of funding for historic districts after reading the article. And so again, I want to put it out there to, to you that Golden Gate Village is actually um, a jewel, as you know, those that you know want to halfway worship the Civic Center, uh, that <laughs> the sister property. And I know that this county would not allow the Civic Center to go into disrepair. Dis, despair, disrepair at the level that Golden Gate Village is. But there's funding and money out there. I shared it last night while, you know, talking about tax credit, but there is opportunities to make Golden Gate Village what it was intended and what it was when it was first built, a jewel for poor people. Thank you. Thank you, Royce. Next, anyone else, please stand up and line up for the podium. Hi, Marguerite Moriarty, and um, I wanted to um, talk about the uh, Marin Voice article by the young woman that graduated from uh, TAM High School, Carmela Davis, and um, I just think that was really uh, a terrific article. It speaks to all the problems um, that uh, the county's facing um, in the various cities. I mean, Marin is still so segregated. Um, and uh, I think we all have a duty to reach out to our friends and our neighbors, and which I'm doing. Uh, there's a sign going into Phoenix Lake right now on a house posted, stop 825 Drake Avenue, you know, visit the website. Um, so I'm reaching out to people all over 
um, and just a little bit at a time, just as they say in the color of law. You know, that's the only way it's going to change. But, um, oh, I have a little time. Um, you know, when you had the meeting up at the uh, top of um, near the Mountain Home Inn, I was sitting there and I was thinking, gosh, you know, if the supervisors, and maybe I'm really off base here, but if the supervisors had just gotten together collectively and made some presentation to the high schools, you know, about the incident that happened at Tam High School, I mean, you're the leaders in the county. If you, you know, step up and, you know, reach out and make known that this is just not going to be accepted in our county, you know? I mean, anyway. I, um, thank, thank you. All right, seeing no one else, we're going to close public comment for today. Um, op open time, sorry, not public comment. This next item is approval of minutes of January 30th, 2024. Looking at the board members, any comments on those minutes at this point? And then we'll go to the public for comments on the minutes. Al, anyone on, online? Yes, we have Eva. Please <clears throat> Eva, this is about the uh, minutes of January 30th. I understand that. I just want to point out that um, despite many attempts, there's been no uh, recognition in the minutes ever of um, either the Risley letter or the burning of the cottages, um, the early 1960s burning of the cottages. Um, the burning of hundreds of wartime cottages make Marin City in many ways a test case for reparations, and it couldn't, it couldn't be more appropriate. Um, it's important to recognize that a lot of what you're dealing with right, right now, um, for example, um, the, the disrepair of Golden Gate Village, you know, that that should be done immediately, but, but it is important to recognize that Golden Gate Village itself was a means of eliminating, you know, the majority of the black population out of Marin City because it was done in conjunction with, with the destruction of the wartime cottages, which had established a connection between the residents of Marin City and the land itself. Um, and so, so because Golden Gate Village was only built to house about an eighth of the population, um, there was there was a really, you know, a forced exodus, essentially. Um, those families can be traced and restitution can be made. There should be a dollar amount put on the losses um, and the fact that this is still not even, that the Risley letter establishing that it was the county that segregated, forcibly segregated Marin City, that it was the county that took the money, the rent money from residents in Marin City to actually buy the parcel, the entire parcel of Marin City. Thank you, Eva, your time's up. <clears throat> Anyone in the chamber want to speak to the minutes of January 30th? Seeing none, I can bring it back to the commission for a motion and a second. Moved by Stephanie Moulton Peters. Second by uh, Commissioner Canson. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed, abstain. 
That motion's carried. We're going now to Board of Commissioner matters and the Executive Director report. <clears throat> First looking to the commissioners. Yes, Commissioner. I, yes, just a, a very quick one. Um, two weeks ago, my colleague, uh, Commissioner Hall over here, confidently wore his chief's hat <laughs> at the meeting, to which point I entered into an ill-fated bet whereby the loser was supposed to wear the hat of the winning team at this meeting. Uh, I searched the whole Bay Area, could not find a chief's hat, but I am a man of my word, so I will put this up here. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's helped me as I've gone through the stages of uh, denial, uh, anger, depression, but now moving on to acceptance. So congratulations to your chiefs, Commissioner Hall. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's better than Commissioner, Commissioner Hall. Yes. Uh, uh, first of all, I'd like to say... Uh, Thank you. <laughs> but I want to um, kind of address a question that was asked about doing the repositioning about right size housing. And I was recently, last month, we, uh, Commissioner Kansas and I went to a conference in San Diego, and there was this uh, big meeting on repositioning, which uh, Pretty much every housing authority in the nation now is repositioned in Section 18. So the days of low-income housing is probably going away. But I want to answer the question because, for unfortunately, I was the person who asked the question, and the room was packed. I asked the question of what doing repositioning and and rehab to rehab. What rights do the tenants have? Well, tenants have absolutely the right to come back, but they have the right to come back to right-sized housing. Her position on overhousing and right-sized housing has not changed. It's not going to change. The problem here is, is that, so I asked the next question, if, what happens if uh, people don't want that have been, that are overhoused and get offered a unit and they don't take it, well, that's a process that the housing authority, the agency, has to deal with. The biggest problem here is, is that what I want to try to share with the people of Marin City is, is we have a problem with uh, people being overhoused that's not going to be solved right now. And that problem is, is that most of the residents, whenever we get to this, because we're like two or three years away before they even started, so people shouldn't be really getting all excited about worrying about being displaced. But the thing here is, in our situation, we don't have any people that overhouse. Well, you're probably going to be overhoused for about four or five years because we don't have any right-sized units available. So if you're in an oversized unit right now, you're probably going to be stay there, even during coming back from uh, the rehab. You're probably going to end up going back to that unit, whether you're overhoused or not. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our director is trying to work on a plan with HUD, which HUD would probably agree to, which is part of it. So I don't think anybody should be worried about moving out of there overhouse unit for quite a while. And that was uh, the question I, I really asked the panel. 
And that was my that was their answer to me verbatim about right size housing. If you run rehab, if you came out of a, a right size housing, you're going to go back to that. But if you overhouse and there's housing for you, you have to go back to right size housing. So I'm just saying this to clear up any misconception. This is a HUD rule. And so we're already dealing with this. So most of the smart people should know that about now. And they keep asking this question. You don't need to ask it anymore. That's what it is. And you, I'm just giving it to you from the panel. You can call HUD and they'll tell you the same thing, right size housing. We already know that. So we don't have to have that discussion. We shouldn't be having it. It shouldn't be coming up because it's just a distraction, really, at this point. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Any other commissioners? Comments? Okay. So now we're going to go to the execu executive director's report. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I, have, um, I have a question. You don't hear me. Let me try it differently. Here. Great. Okay. Uh, I have attached my executive director's report to the agenda, so I'm wanting to just be open to any questions that you may have from after your reading of the of the report. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the report, Kimberly. Uh, any questions about the executive executive director report from commissioners? All right. We're going to open it up to the public. Then, any questions of the public? about the uh, executive director's report of February 3rd. This is about the executive director's report or board of commission report. Response to uh, Commissioner Hall. Yes, it is uh, what you explained. However, there's a difference between the voucher and public housing. That's why I brought it up from the very, very beginning. I know that there is a difference. Thank you. Again, anyone else on the executive director's report or commissioner comments? And then we'll go online next out. Hi, Barbara Bogard. Um, I think it's imperative when we talk about the overhousing issue that residents not be punished by circumstances that are no fault of their own and just result from a change in platform. And Kimberly, we met last night, and Kimberly referred to the fact that there are currently 30 overhoused who must be housed first. But my understanding, last I read the corrective action plan, was that those 30 had to be resolved before the Section 18 application. So if those are resolved, then the people who are overhoused simply because of the change of platform will be at the top of the list to be transferred when the, after the renovation happens. And that's just not acceptable. Thank you. Go ahead, Mary. Uh, Commissioner Hall, thank you very much for your forthright statement. I agree with you. I think that's a correct interpretation. And I, um, I am sorry that um, the executive director came to the resident council meeting last night and 
purported that they are still working on a resolution of this problem. They're working with lawyers. They're working with HUD regulations. It's not going to change. And I think people should be honest about not just good news, but bad news. And how do we work with that? Um, the other thing I want to say about the executive director report is on the public housing update. I implore the members of this commission to be diligent in questioning what is going on with public housing on a regular basis. It took this chamber being virtually full of residents, SEIU members and workers at MHA and members of the public to come forth before the executive director could really take note of all of these problems. That's not the way this should work. And I think it is up to the members of this commission to exercise your duty to have oversight over the executive director. It's not just the executive director coming to you and you rubber stamping what she says. You must give policy direction to the executive director about what you expect her performance to be. Thank you. Anyone else in the chamber want to speak to this item? All right, Al, we're going to go online. The first speaker is Eva. Please unmute. Um, thanks. With reference to the discussion about overhousing, I'd like to just point out that this entire discussion about overhousing has for years taken place within a very narrow ideological framework. So what you have is a, a bunch of commissioners on here, um, the, the most powerful of which are the county supervisors. And I've, I've listened to these meetings where Katie Rice talks about overhousing. And anyone can go online and look at Katie Rice's property uh, records and see that by any stretch of the imagination, she is technically overhoused. Um, but that is not a concern for Katie Rice. I think what we need to understand is that with the mass displacement of black Californians from every community, um, but certainly very dramatically from Rin City, um, starting very early, starting with the burning of the wartime cottages. That's, a, that's an extreme expulsion that the county still has not reckoned <coughs> with. But what you're talking about is now a situation where that vice is tightening so much so that you are ending up with people from Rin City in homeless shelters and in all sorts of other uh, you know, exigent situations such as the internment camp in San Rafael on the Nathan Freeway brought to you by Damon Connolly, who was also a commissioner here. And that is not, that urgency and, and those stakes are not being addressed and the quote unquote overhousing um, really is, is a bit of a, of a red herring. Uh, you're basically trying to shove out more people because when someone is supposedly overhoused, what it really is is an extra room for a nephew, an extra room for an uncle, um, anyone else who, any of those men who ended up unfairly in that internment camp where they got very sick, repeat infections of COVID, repeat infections of cellulitis. Thank That's you, Eva. President Rodoni, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, I'm going to bring it back to the commission. Commissioner Canton, did you have a comment? Yeah, I want to ask a question. Um, last night I was at the residential meeting. I'd like you, 
Kimberly, if you can, to, you said there were two options as far as overhousing. So I'd like you, if you could repeat that part of your conversation for the board. Kimberly, you can address that and any other questions that you may want to address at that time. Oh, okay. Um, so let me just, I want to clarify a few things. So the Section 18 Can you, can you hear me? Okay. So the Section 18 uh, application is something we are planning to do in July. Because we are planning to do a Section 18 RAD split, I'm getting in the weeds a little bit, but I do need people to understand that um, we do not, because of that HUD's rules, these are new rules that came out in 2023, allow all everybody who to move back to Golden Gate Village into the wrong size unit, and we don't have to fix the overhousing until there is a unit available that will fit their family composition in Golden Gate Village. So therefore, no one, no one will be asked to leave Golden Gate Village because of revitalization. I really want to make that super clear. Nobody, no matter who they are, will be asked to leave Golden Gate Village because of this revitalization. They will be coming back to the wrong size unit. After this has this hat will happen after the Section 18 application. The next thing is when we move from a platform from a public housing, which is where we are now, where we get about eleven hundred dollars per unit, to a platform where we get $3,200 for a one bedroom unit under the Section 8 platform. Once that happens, we do have a, a change in the occupancy standards, which is what Ms. Royce McLemore is referring to. Once that happens, our current occupancy standards in the Section 8 program says three people get a four, um, three, if you're a three-person household, you are eligible for a two-bedroom unit. In public housing, a three-bedroom household gets a three-bedroom unit. So there's where it lies the rub. With our three bedrooms and our four, we only have four, we only have nine four bedroom units in Golden Gate Village to begin with. And um, I believe it's about 45 three bedrooms. So those are the families that will be impacted eventually unless we can find a solution. And um, contrary to what was said, I am working with, um, you know, in a creative space with um, some creative people to try to find a solution around the occupancy changes. I don't know if I can, if we'll be able to do it, but I haven't given up yet. And so that is where we are. And um, I think it's kind of, um, it, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that everybody who who lives there now in the same size unit, we, they can come back to the same size unit, but again, regardless, even if we can't do that, no one is gonna be moved out of Golden Gate Village. They will come back to their three or four bedroom unit as it is now, and when a one or two becomes available in five years, they'll be asked to be relocated. So everyone's housed. Um, though, right now, I don't really have, the only other solutions, we looked at a, we're looking at a couple different options, but nothing's really penciling out yet, so I don't think it warrants me going into those details that in a public forum. So um, having said that, your directives as far as occupancy, once it changes over, are from HUD? Uh, yeah, well, it's our, our occupancy standards for the Section 8 program, yes. For the Section 18 or the Section 8? Section 8. Okay. And so to be Section 8 that changes and not Section 18? 
Uh, when we change from public housing, it would be changing to section, section eight. eight. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where the occupancy goes. So a three-person family will change to a two-bedroom? Correct. How is that decided? Like, is it if they have two kids that are same sex, they share a room? I, you know, I don't know those off the top of my okay. head, but I do have a professional here, <laughs> Suzanne or Kathleen. Um, I mean, our, our, our occupancy, so a head of household has their own bedroom. So everybody who's a head of household has their own bedroom, unless it's their spouse. So if I'm married, my, my spouse and I should share a bedroom unless there's a reasonable accommodation where we both need our own bedrooms. Then we'd have two. Um, if it's my spouse and my son, we'd get a two-bedroom. If it's, you know, if I have multiple kids, if it, the, the rule is two heartbeats to a bedroom, except for the head of household gets their own. So if I have myself and three children, I would get a three-bedroom. So the, the, that, I mean, it kind of gets into the weeds, but, de you know, there's, there's always, there's always um, reasonable accommodations. There's always reasons that people need more than the standard of what we have, but that is, that's how it goes right now. Mm -hmm. Any other comments or questions? Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I think it would be helpful to have this in writing, whether it comes back in the minutes uh, or of this meeting or just a separate, and I, I'd like to have our council look it over too. But we've had an awful lot of discussion on this, so let's just get it in writing and then distribute it broadly to the residents and everyone. But I think that's better than trying to sort this all out on the dais. But it sounds like we've got some clarity, and we just need to get it in writing. Thank you. Anyone else? There's no action required on this. We're going to move to the next item. Item D is a request from MHA Executive Director to adopt the resolution to approve submittal and certification of to HUD of annual Section 8 program performance data for 2023, known as the Section 8 Management Assessment. I'll turn this now over to Executive Director Carol. Okay, thank you. This is um, our CMAP review, which is a HUD review that we, we do annually. HUD, HUD sets up these indicators of things that we look at. There's 15 indicators that uh, HUD reviews for a housing authority. The, um, th we had excellent scores, 14 of, um, in our 14 indicators, which includes selection from the wait list, rent reasonableness, adjusted income, utility allowance, our uh, housing quality standards, um, inspections, expanding housing opportunities for people, um, our inspection reinforcement, payment standards, annual reexaminations, tenant rent calculations, <coughs> pre-contract and annual inspections, lease-ups in addition to bonus indicators for deconcentration of poverty. So all of those indicators are really detailed. A lot of them are around um, tenant calculations of rent, of submitting um, our annual recertifications on, on time and accurately because it, you, you do have to make sure you go through and make sure they're accurately done. And then um, a lot of them are also under the inspection realm of making sure we're inspecting units before somebody moves in, that we are in, we're doing our biannual or annual inspections depending on the program, and that we are paying, we're reviewing rent reasonableness. So if a landlord asks for a rent increase, we have to study it and make sure that it meets the rent reasonableness test. All of those things are really detailed and, um, and, uh, and um, we scored, uh, we're a high performer housing authority because of all of those, those indicators have hit the mark. 
So I, I want to applaud the, the Housing Choice Voucher team for all the hard work they do um, every day to make all that happen. And so what we're asking for is the board to uh, approve the resolution that we will then be able to send to HUD for this indicator. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Commissioner questions about this item. Okay, seeing none, we're gonna go to online now. Anyone have comments on item D? There are no speakers in the queue. Okay, bring it back to the chamber. Anyone from the public here have a comment on item D? So Kimberly, um, not seeing any comments. Uh, obviously this is a good news item. Do we know how other agencies do when they're rated? Is there any national information that um, indicates that we're doing better than a, another? <laughs> do we know? Yeah, we, you know, as we brought back two weeks ago, we did get the Housing Choice Voucher of the Year Award for our region. Um, so I, I think you know, not all housing authorities are able to meet these indicators. So this is a, this is a, a, a really good news that we actually are doing all of the work that is needed and pulling all the levers and watching all the indicators to make sure that we are a high performer, which has a huge impact because it, it allows us to apply for mainstream vouchers, emergency housing vouchers, VASH vouchers, shelter plus care vouchers, all these new vouchers that come down the pipeline we've been extremely successful in applying for and getting because of these indicators. If we're not in high performer status, um, a lot of that isn't even available to us. So it is, it's highly critical that we stay a high performer um, housing authority. Good, I'm gonna bring it back to the commission for any further comments and or a motion on the resolution and submittal and certification of the HUD, of two HUD. Motion by Kenson. Um, a second by Sackett, and just commend, you know, staying in the high-performing status. I know that's a day-to-day -day, um, process to get there, but really appreciate having this detail of everything that's required in order to get that score. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? <coughs> Abstain. That motion's carried. Thank you. <clears throat> the next item is... Item F, sorry, item E, which is a request from the executive director to award a one-year contract with one additional one-year option period to Nan McKay and Associates of El Cajon, California to provide a remote, cert remote cert recertification and case management services in the amount not to exceed 425000 for the first year and a total compensation for the one-year extension of not to exceed 125,000. I'm looking for Kimberly for a staff report. Yes, thank you. Um, that on our January 30th meeting, it, we brought this item and there was a lot of comment and we decided we, we were, um, we went back and created a transition plan that is going to be part of this contract as we transition from Nan McKay uh, primarily into um, into in-house staff and into uh, using another vendor. So we have attached a, a um, annual and interim recertification transition plan. And um, in the interim, so you know, I, wa I wanna reiterate how important it is that we don't drop the ball on the process of what we're doing here, recertifying files. And so what we wanted, so what we're, want, what we're, 
what we're trying to do here is to transition over the next 12 to 15 months to transition out of um, utilizing Nan McKay and bringing a, a lot of this work back in-house and then using this other third-party vendor that we have as well to fill in some of the gap. And also, but you know, knowing that w there's a lot of variables that we just don't, we can't control right now. We wanna make sure we have enough runway to, to get where we're trying to get. So I, I want to um, remind you that we, we have to recertify 3,000 families a year between public housing and Section 8. We're gonna be adding three new housing eligibility workers, and so those are the folks who are actually going to be looking at all the files and creating the, um, d determining the rents for everyone based on their income. That we're hoping to hire three in the next, um, we've got the announcements out right now. We will, we're gonna expedite our our process to hire and then begin the training process. It is a long training process to get folks really certified and, and knowledgeable of this work. So we're really, I'm giving us th four months to really get the training and the recruitment completed. Um, we're also, as we talked last week, or the last meeting, we're having additional uh, vendor that we are working with who is gonna be taking over 500 of them. He's a he's a, a an, uh, he's got his his smaller firm that he is going to take over 500 to start, and if that works well and feels like it's working, we'll we'll increase that as we can as well. Um, the accountability in the interim is is really important. Uh, I heard really loud and clear uh, last week, and so all of the letters. Well, first off, the letters are all being reevaluated right now and rewritten so that we are sure that the letters don't have a threatening tone, but the letters are um, a little clearer as to what is needed, and, um, and then we'll get those, that, that information back. Any intent to terminate or any eviction notices will come directly from my directors, so not from any vendors, not from line staff. It will be um, the, the directors of the asset, asset manager and my um, director of lease housing. So they'll have to be reviewed uh, by staff before any of those go out. We will be doing due diligence. So everyone who is coming back as who doesn't have the right paperwork completed, we have, <coughs> we have service staff that will be knocking on people's doors, calling residents who are not resident, uh, are not part of our public housing, but are more in the Section 8 program, so that we can figure out how we can get those documents done and we can get those submitted. So I think that that is gonna be, a, the, and the other thing is we are going to be um, sending all of the letters that are going out to residents from our offices and not from the vendor's site. So anything that goes out will go directly from our 429 Marin City office or the, or the San Rafael office, which will hopefully help us in the mail service as well. And then to remind you, we also put in a kiosk machine, we're putting that in, and that will hopefully help to address some of the work as well. Um, and let me just see, the HCB manager. Oh, yeah, and, we're, and we'll, our, my housing choice voucher manager, Suzanne, and Yashika, the program manager in public housing, will really be responsible for escalate, if there's problems that are get not getting re done at their level, they'll be making sure they're escalating that up. And so we're going to be, for the, in the, in the in transition plan, we're going to be doing the customer service primarily is gonna be front facing the housing authority staff. And then we'll have Nan McKay really helping us crunch the numbers and provide 
the um, the data for now. And then again, in, in the whole plan is to really be transitioning out. Our contract gives us the out of a 30-day um, notice, and we also pay per file. So as we bring any files back in, that reduces the contract for Namakay. So I think, in, so in summary, I just want to say that by adding the, the three new positions and engaging Scott Miller Consulting, these steps would account for coverage of about 87% of the 300 households caseload. Um, the, uh, the Housing Authority anticipates that this would reduce the NAMAKE's caseload down to about 13% by the end of the year. And then we'll keep refining and getting that down. Um, MHA is, um, sorry, let me just make sure I'm covering what I wanted to. MHA is required to comply with complex HUD requirements annually. And as, a, and as staff vacancies and leaves of absent can occur intermittently and unplanned, MHA plans to significantly reduce its contract with Nan McKay, but we don't really want to eliminate it completely over the next year, two years, because we definitely want to make sure we are have something built in to address any of the, the um, unforeseen circumstances that may arise. And, and additionally, like I said, we're going to start using the Scott Miller Consulting as more and more, and Nan McKay as a last result. And I think that is all I just want to make sure. You know, I want to make sure that we are doing this uh, methodically and not going to do anything that's going to administratively impact the, the, the integrity of the work we're doing. Kimberly, thank you so much. I really appreciate um, sort of a refresh of the of the process and the protocols. And from if I'm understanding correctly, the process. I mean, what this is really this upgrades and this much more front facing and control, frankly, especially around those letters um, of potential terminations are are all designed to avoid <coughs> terminations. So it's not just the process, it's also um, a little bit more uh, hand-holding as it were to make to see if, uh, if, if it's a paperwork issue or a missed letter that those kinds of drop balls, whether it's on the part of the recertification agency, us or NAMIK or whoever, and or the client themselves, that the balls get picked up because what we're trying to do is avoid terminations. Okay, and so my question, and, and so I, I really appreciate that effort, and I think it'll be good to hear how it goes. Um, I guess my question is, and, and you may not have an answer right now, but it, it would probably be good information for us to have as a commission, is is there sort of a, is there an industry standard or a, a standard's probably the wrong word. I mean, if, if, if we even look back historically um, in MHA and our own housing authority, you know, what is the percentage of recertifications or failed recertifications or are there any things that we could be trying to actually target as goals frankly it'd be you want everyone to be able to be recertified if they qualify um, but i'm just wondering if going forward even to sort of set some targets towards even be that much higher performing avoiding avoiding um, terminations um, altogether if possible and or at least try to hit hit a benchmark that's an industry standard, if that makes sense. No, the industry standard is 95% of the 3,000 
need to be submitted timely. And we, we are med meeting that, uh, just for that perspective. And we really don't um, terminate families for, I mean, I, I know that there was a few families that said they were, ha you know, that came up last time, but it is, um, but, I, yeah. yeah. But we're trying to avoid even the stress yes. of, a, of something that looks like a mishap. So then my, um, my last question is with regard, how are we communicating with our landlords? Um, because I know some landlords have had interact, you know, are, have you have heard things from tenants or are aware of issues with Nan McKay's particularly? Are we doing any communication out to landlords just around, you know, uh, the work we're doing to that you're doing to upgrade the performance overall and and acknowledge, you know, maybe some some poor performance in recent past? We, you know, actually we do have a, a landlord engagement um, meeting planned. Uh, but we haven't, uh, but no, I haven't had anything done yet. But we are, you know, Monique Broussard, who's here, is our, our um, inspector landlord liaison. And so we will be doing that. And we can send out a letter and say, I'm, we're not hearing a lot of things from landlords around Nan McKay, if, that, is that, if that's what you're getting well, at. Well, I mean, there's been stuff in the press. And so and oh, folks may okay. be aware. I mean, I, more communication is always better than less communication. Other commissioners, uh, Commissioner Sackett. Yeah, so thank you for this transition plan, Kimberly. I think it really addresses a lot of the issues that we have been hearing about um, and recognizes that we can do better, so I appreciate that. There's one thing that comes up, and, and I, I've heard more than once, is, the, is sort of lost paperwork, um, submitted the same paperwork, multiple times. And so I see in the accountability section an indication of housing eligibility workers main, properly maintaining documentation and then also mention of this kiosk. Can you provide detail of like what, I mean, is the kiosk a scanner? Is it a filing system? Um, just to get a little more concrete on what we can do to make sure that when, in fact, paperwork comes in, it gets to the right place. Because I think we can all appreciate sort of the frustration of having to print, to fill something out, to scan, that kind of dynamic of, uh, you know, finding a copy machine. All those kind of things can, they make me crazy. <laughs> so... Yes, so the kiosk machine, it, it actually will send the data right to Yardi, which is our housing software system, and then it'll get addressed. So it, it'll go directly to the software. When people bring their is it a scanner, it's, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a, well, it's like a, yes, it's a scanner. Okay. So, yeah, for instance, yeah. It's a big, it actually looks like a big ATM machine, but it is, you scan things just in through the system. Um, the, for people who are bringing things into the office, what happens is we the packet gets given to our staff who sit at the front desk, and they then scan it into our system and then send it to Nan McKay. So we give the packet back to the the the, per, the resident, and we're scanning it. So if there was anything, if there's things that are lost in between, it, you can go and look at the scanned document of what was sent and what is there. So I think that that'll 
that and and we I, I mean that is what we're asking we always take you know just scan it and we can give it back um, also I know some people do ask for a stamped copy to say I've, I've d I brought it in on this date and we, we can do that and, and and stamp it for them that the date we've received it and we have it our staff puts it in the system and sends it up there's also a, a portal it's called rent cafe that we're really trying to encourage people who either have that technology um, or have a family member that can do it it's so easy for people once they get in the system and then it is same thing it just goes right into the system and there's no like it's lost and and then I also just want to clarify something what happens a lot and it's more times than not is um, you'll have to send in a whole packet of information to re regarding your annual I mean bank statements your your pay stubs your children's school schedules and all, on and on. And so what happens almost always is someone sends in the whole package and they've forgotten one, one part of that. And so then Namake is saying, hey, you know, Kimberly, you haven't re re you know, returned your whole packet. And what the person thinks is, I've already sent that. I'm not sending it again. And this starts this whole dance with us. And so what we're going to do, what w one other part of what we're doing is the staff is going to have, the staff at the front desk will have a checklist and just check. When you come in and bring us the documents that we can see that you're bringing in all of the documents before we are sending it to Nan McKay so that we're not going to be doing this back and forth. Um, but that is, it, it is a lot of, it's a lot of information that we ask every year, that the federal government asks every year that we have to collect. And so this is happens, it really does happen a lot. And so it's not really, we didn't lose the whole the document. We've lost, we, don't, we never got the one piece of paper that still makes the whole packet incomplete. And then you have the other thing is all of a sudden if you don't do it within 90 days, everything's stale and you gotta start all over again. So this, is, this does become hard and you can see how it would be in the mail and people's miscommunication. So I'm hoping that some of these measures we're gonna put in will eliminate a lot of this and so that people aren't going back and forth on that or there's a knock on a door or a phone call from our staff saying, hey, we need your bank statement. Got everything else, we need the bank statement, we need it today. Hopefully that clarifies. Uh, Kimberly, thank you so much for, for bringing this back before our board so quickly, just uh, t two weeks, um, even less than that, because you had to post it and get it in the agenda all in, in time. So really appreciate you taking this, this plan that you had in concept and putting it down uh, in, in written form. I understand we're going to be going from three housing eligibility, or going, yeah, going from three housing eligibility workers to six. Um, talk, can you talk a little bit about that position and how easy or difficult it is to recruit, or the three positions that we have currently filled, and what is the outlook in, on bringing in three additional individuals? We, uh, over the last year, we hired, we hired three. We have two right now, one, one that didn't stay with us, so we do have two eligibility workers who were hired in the last year. They're great. They both have come to us with experience in, at another housing, in, in other housing authorities in both cases. And then we also have a third one right now who has been with us for 20 years. Um, and so those we have, and what we're doing now is they are gonna be starting to take on full caseloads too. So which again is gonna be somewhere between uh, around, probably around 400 caseload each. So they'll be taking on caseloads, which will be reducing the NAMIKE contracts. So we've got those people already in place. We've got the recruitments out right now for the other three that we are trying to hire. And um, 
uh, last time we did a recruitment, we got a pretty good turnout, so we're hoping for the same thing. Uh, and we're they close next week, so I'll have a better answer to wh what we hope. We, you know, I mean, what we what we will get, and then, um, but so we're. I'm hoping that we can hire quickly, and we'll have a good pool of folks applying. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, if, if we get all three, they could all potentially be onboarded together, go through training together, all of that. That would be that'd be wonderful. Great. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Kimberly. I appreciate the uh, the accountability portions. I, cer I certainly asked about those last time. So I I, uh, I wanted to follow up on Director Sackett's question about the kiosk. So will will somebody be standing there assisting with the use of the kiosk, or is that self serve, or how how does that work? To whomever on the staff is managing that. So we will have one of the staff who is at the front desk always available to help out with the kiosk. It, it, it still hasn't been installed yet, so we're still going to see. But we saw this at a conference, a NARO conference that we all went to, and it looks fabulous. It's tied into the Social Security information, into our local, I believe, even general assistance. So a lot of the times when people need some of those other documents, they c they'll be able to tap into this system and also get some of those other documents that will make their annual be complete. Um, that's great. And I, I uh, really support that you're, you have live bodies on the staff who will do quality control on this thing. Uh, as someone who still is in the paper world, that's me. Uh, <laughs> online is super great, but I, I really believe it when it's in hard copy. So I appreciate that you're helping uh, stem uh, both of those worlds. Um, and then I want to support um, your transition plan. I wanted to understand better. So the full uh, up to contract amount is $425,000, and you're contemplating a second year at 125000 which is a whole lot less. So that reflects the transition itself to staff and the smaller contractor. Is that right? Great. Correct. And, and then I just want to support as a, as a business decision to keep Nan McKay in the back for vacancies and vacations and just staffing fluctuations. I think that's a wise move. But I, but I appreciate the transition plan, and I thank you for your accountability as well. Um, I also want to add that uh, last night at the resident council meeting, Ms. Royce McLemore um, submitted uh, information on how she herself submits her paperwork and, and, and gave a lot of residents that information and that she doesn't have some of those problems. Not that she doesn't get erroneous notices sometimes from Nan McKay, but that, you know, making sure you time stamp your documents and, and get your copies. I myself go to the office and, and have somebody scan it for me. And so I appreciate the fact that you offered to have people at Golden Gate Village be able to go to Yashika, the property manager, and her staff there and submit the documents themselves, go through their documents, check the people's documents and uh, in the interim so that we could lessen some of that impact of Nan McKay and some of the stress and anxiety on the residents. And so I appreciate that. Um, the other part is, uh, even though I know um, you're recruiting and your recruiting might end, I was thinking, um, unless you know for sure that your next three people that you might recruit are going to be perfect, it might pay to leave it open a little while because kids are coming straight out of college and they need first-time jobs. And who better to train than somebody to, than a younger 
uh, person that's just coming out of college with a degree, and you know that's a, that's a good salary for them, and it's good to learn, and you'll be able to train them right how they should be. <laughs> but thank you. Commissioner Rice, anything? All right, we're gonna. I'm sorry, I had one quick. And how will this work at the senior uh, facilities? This recertification process. We are hiring one of the Hughes, the eligibility workers that we are hiring is going to be addressed for the for the senior disabled properties. They will be uh, going to the properties. So again, they'll be working in the community centers with the program manager of this of that property or those properties also. So we're same thing. And we have a resident service coordinator there as well as we also do in public housing. So those folks will also be helping us to make sure we get the documents and knock on doors and help people fill the do fill the packets out. Yes. Terrific. We're going to go to public comment online first and then in the chamber. Al, please. The first speaker is Janice Reynolds. Please unmute. Good afternoon. It is imperative that the new contract with NMA be strictly limited to the year 2024 with no provision for extension. Any future contract must include written rules mandating MHA oversight to guarantee the highest standards of performance and if performance metrics are not met, it leads to the immediate voiding of the contract. MHA unionized staff has been advocating for higher wages, a demand that deserves support. Quality and trained personnel are the backbone of success and retaining them is paramount. By supporting the wage increase, we not only acknowledge the value of this dedicated workforce, but also pave the way for bringing the work NMA has been doing for Golden Gate Village completely in-house by the end of this year. This transition will enhance control, efficiency, and the overall quality of the services provided. Board members must demand accountability, transparency, and the highest standards from all partners. Let us take this opportunity to shape a stronger, more effective collaboration for the benefit of all stakeholders involved. Thank you. The next speaker is Don McCray. Please unmute. In reviewing the um, public comments, there were three emails there that did not reflect the email that I had sent to the uh, commissioners and to Kimberly uh, shortly after the previous meeting. So I'd like to just read through those comments. Um, put these, I'd like to put these in the context of, of complimenting, complimenting you, Kimberly and your staff for the quick turnaround that you did in putting a transition plan in place, uh, which does look to me like it, it addresses the issues that I've addressed here. So I'll go through these uh, fairly quickly to meet the timeline. Number one was I questioned the guidelines under which county procurement operates. Why after seven years with Dan McKay are you still having these problems? This is a tremendous, in my opinion, a tremendously incompetent vendor and the contract does not appear to be managed properly by county procurement for quality performance. Otherwise, a myriad of problems cited by residents and county would have been resolved in the first or most second year performance by Nan McKay. Secondly, given the above, why hasn't the county put this out to bid or brought it in-house? In the past seven years, there's been sufficient time to train county employees to do this work. Number three, in the current procurement process, what was done to identify and encourage additional vendors to apply? You've got a, what appears to me to be a tremendously incompetent, inc incumbent, and one experienced vendor that you've got to train. 
this is a failed procurement and needs to be identified as such. I strongly recommend that you not award this RFP, then reissue it and make a concerted effort to find other qualified vendors to apply. At the same time, start immediately to put in place a plan to move this function entirely in-house. As I said, you have a transition plan that I think addresses these satisfactorily, but I want to read this to get it into the record. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Nancy Miller. Please unmute. Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Nancy Miller. I live at the Redwoods, and I represent the Mill Valley Seniors for Peace. I want to let you know that it was uh, very satisfying this afternoon to uh, hear the presentation of uh, what I believe that you asked for at the end of the last meeting uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, dealing with a transition and dealing with accountability, particularly with accountability, given the history of the uh, problems with uh, NBA, NMA. Um, uh, in terms of the plans that have been presented, they all sound very good and very doable. The, what I would like to add is a request to you, and it's similar to what Mary Morgan requested at the beginning of the meeting, and that is oversight. That uh, you as a board, you request ongoing reports from the executive director to see that all these good ideas are actually being put into action and then you can report out to the public and uh, all the other interested parties that all that these ideas are being actually implemented thank you the next speaker is Shia P please on mute um, hi, um, I would like to request that any new contract with NMA is for 2024 only with no um, no clauses for an extension and that this contract has um, specific and explicit rules that require um, MHA oversight uh, regarding the quality of their performance and that if those uh, quality metrics are not met that the contract is immediately voided. Uh, also, the demands of uh, MHA unionized staff for higher wages uh, uh, directly related to employee retention um, uh, uh, and the ability to bring in um, the uh, work by in-house, work in-house by the end of the year. Thank you. Thank you, Al. We're going to come to the chamber now. Anyone like to speak? up to the podium please if you would line up that would be great go ahead hello I'm Lachey Coleman I'm um, on section 8 um, my problem is when it comes to the recertification I never receive it in the mail so then I get a letter in the mail saying I'm being terminated because I haven't turned in my recertification I've always reached out to them and told them I've been having this issue. I never received my package in the mail. It's been going on since I moved from Marin Housing in Marin City to where I'm at now. Um, and also I have two disabled kids and back in 2022, I was trying to do a unit transfer because where I was staying wasn't safe for my daughter I reached out, nobody was helping me. Like, nobody helped me. Took them like 
a year to help me transfer to another unit. And that's like not fair for me and my kids because I'm getting scared that we might lose our housing because they're not doing a job when it comes to sending out letters, but they're quick to send a letter saying they're gonna terminate someone, which isn't fair at all. So I just wish you guys would like fix that problem so we wouldn't be stressed out about this because I have nowhere to go with two disabled kids. Thank you. Good afternoon, Barbara Bogart again. Um, my major concern with this recertification transition plan is that in January of last year, Kimberly said she would be bringing part of the certification process in-house in 2023. But then we heard last month that didn't happen because MHA lost some eligibility workers. So again, this year we're hearing that she's going to bring new eligibility workers in, but what reason do we have to believe that these new eligibility workers will stay at MHA? MHA is clearly having trouble retaining employees. And it's simply not true that their retention rate is not worse than other public agencies. So it seems to me that there are at least two problems that need to be solved. The underlying problem of the huge turnover rate at MHA and the specific problem of retention of any new certification workers. And I would hope that you all would be concerned with both of those issues too. Another question I have, and it may be related, is why did only two companies respond to the RFP? One of whom is incompetent, the other is brand new. Surely there are other companies who provide the service for other housing agencies across the country. So another problem that needs to be solved is what is it about MHA that competent established companies don't respond to the RFP? Finally, if there's truly no option but to use Nan McKay for yet another year, I think it's imperative that their contract include both quantitative and qualitative performance criteria that includes evaluation by residents who are the people who may have to deal with these folks directly. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Andrea Zanetti, and I'm the Northern Regional Director for SEIU Local 1021, excuse me, Local 1021, representing these fine workers behind me. I'm here today um, not just to support them, but also to read a statement by one of the workers, Carrie Smith, who's a housing locator for MHA and could not be here today. So I'm gonna read this. Um, I appreciate the time the board took during the last meeting to listen to the public comments from tenants, concerned citizens, and employees in considering the continued contract with Nan McKay. I am concerned that MHA is not currently able to properly oversee the outside contracts to provide sufficient safeguards to protect our clients, some of the most vulnerable residents in Marin. Thus far, even having a management ratio of one manager for every one and a half workers, excuse me, they have not been able to supervise the outside contractors. Inspection notices continue to be routinely received by tenants after the date for inspections. Although a new system was set in place, what if my coworkers recently received her inspection notice two days after the date of the inspection was to be scheduled? 
Regarding rent increases, although MHA requires 60 days notice to process rent increases, when going through Nan McKay, they are routinely not processed on time or landlords do not receive written notice of approval. Nan McKay routinely approves rent increases over the payment standard without first confirming that the rent is reasonable, causing our tenants to pay more than they are legally required, than their legally required share. Annual recertifications and termination letters continue to be a problem. Either tenants are terminated even though they have submitted the recertifications, or recertifications are not calendared timely so that they, excuse me, so that the subsidy schedule runs out and landlords do not receive the housing assistance payments. In closing, please remember all of the comments you've heard here today as well as mine um, as you consider your vote on the proposed NAMICA contract and require MHA to bring these services back in-house. Thank you. Next. Hi, everyone. My name is Melanie Raquel, and I've been working at Moran Housing for almost five years this coming March of 2024. As I shared with you two weeks ago, my current role as a Shelter Plus Care case manager allows me to work closely with individuals who live with multiple barriers beyond low income in locating and keeping housing and accessing a variety of other resources. So first and foremost, I wanna thank the board in delaying the process of contracting with Nan McKay Associates without obtaining a feasible and actionable plan from management. And I wanna thank management themselves for also creating that plan as well. Um, and although I look forward in partnering with Scott Miller's company, given his familiarity and institutional, institutional knowledge, I don't want the board and management to lose sight of bringing this work in home. Additionally, I'm also curious to know what will happen to the remaining, the remaining dollars uh, once we reduce 13% of our work from Namike Associates. And from a business land, from a business lens, I could understand that management wants to default in contracting with Dan McKay. It's easier and less work. Nonetheless, I want to continue to reemphasize and stress the importance of not contracting with Dan McKay to do their, due to their ongoing underperformance, lack of knowledge, and incompetency. And just to clarify, there are discrepancies found between Dan McKay and landlords and Dan McKay and residents. And so altogether, they are interconnected. When we continue to contract with Namakay Associates, we are losing our credibility and trust within the community. We're risking the lives of our residents and vulnerable at-risk individuals by creating more housing insecurity and instability. We're allowing impersonable interfacing with Namakay via phone and email who do not care about our community if they're even lucky enough to get someone to respond. Ultimately, we continue to create more barriers for our residents and, and landlords, which is damaging to our organization. If we truly believe and embody Marin Housing's mission, we must be willing to do the work. And in order for us to evolve as an agency, we need Thank to address you. the Your broken foundation at Marin Housing. Thank you. Your time's up. Hi, my name is Sina Ford. I've been with uh, Marin Housing Authority just under a year and a half. Um, I've read the contract and the transition plan for reducing uh, reliance on Nan McKay, and I feel it's a really solid start, um, especially moving the termination process wholly in-house um, is an extremely important and crucial move, and I was very happy to see that. A few weeks ago, after a particularly emotional union session, I asked a coworker if she was feeling okay. I clearly remember her response when she said, I'm about to be real good. I'm going to see a client now, which is the best part of working here. I love my client visits. They make me so happy. 
that level of commitment and the quality of service that comes with it is not something you can get from an outside contractor. Uh, Dijon is a very small exception to that. Um, while it's not ideal that the transition plan still allows for some 13% or about 390 cases to remain with NAMIK come 2025, um, it is ambitious given that the main barrier MHA faces for not being able to handle uh, the work itself is recruitment and retention. Another housing eligibility worker or two after these initial three might help. I hope that's a possibility. Um, besides Nan McKay, keeping them on retention, maybe we just keep uh, Dijon. Um, my one recommendation would be to add to the transition plan a way to track the recruitment and retention of these three new uh, positions. I know at least that to gain new quality employees and equally as important, to keep the ones you already have who can help build up these new recruits, uh, you do need to put forth attractive competitive compensation and benefits packages. Um, recent graduates is a great idea, for example. Um, this board knows better than anyone else in this chamber. Um, that isn't something that Kimberly can do herself. Um, the power of authority to do so isn't really in her hands. So while thank I'm you, glad- Thank you, your time's up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a Golden Gate Village resident, and um, in terms of my recertification, in one year, I received seven threats to be evicted. Now I'm on anxiety pills under the doctor's care. I'm scared of being evicted. She threatens me all the time when the paperwork is there. So what's going on? And you guys gonna give her another contract for another year? What, to do more damage? The damage is done, stop it. Stop it from continuing. It's not fair to us, you guys wouldn't know because you don't sit in our shoes or live where we live. But do what's right, get rid of Nan McKay. Good afternoon, my name is Aura Hathaway. I think I better take that down. Um, I went to the meeting last night and I listened very carefully to everybody who was speaking and um, I came away with this uh, sort of a broader understanding of what's going on that we really need to check ourselves now at this point in time. I do not believe that Kimberly Carroll is a racist in her heart. Although the program, um, could you, could of you direct the comments to us, please? Yes, I, I, I'm. I care for Kimberly. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is that I want her to know that I support what she's trying to do. She's trying to step into a role to actually support the residents. However, with the fact of structural racism, HUD was created at a time, and continues to have that ambivalence around giving everybody, no matter what the complexion of their skin, a fair shake in this society. And I think at this time, when I was listening to kind of the milestones, why we're going through this with Nan McKay, why we have to wait seven more years or however long to actually get a contract, and with Burbank, the funding is, we need to look at the fact that this is an historic district, the money is there for that. We also need to understand that diversity doesn't just mean complexion of skin, it means diversity of economies side by side. Community land trust does not make a community go downhill. 
creating a strong community that is self-reliant, that is self-empowered, self-governing, that has access to their own taxes, et cetera, et cetera, a P.O. box, uh, a, 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 a zip code that's, that's clearly Marin City. We can do this. We can get money that way. Right now, that's where the country thank, is, thank you. is time's in historic preservation. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, the problem didn't just start. The problem began when Nan McKay had uh, their contract was $77,000, but it's only grown since then. The same type of problems, even when I was here the last time, when I, I sent you all uh, the email, you saw for yourselves, if you bothered to open it up to read it, that um, it was dated January 18th, and it said I had to turn in the information by the 16th or, or, or face eviction. That's their mindset from the 18th, but it's due on the 16th, two days later. Um, and I'm wondering, did anybody check with San Francisco in terms of why would they say that it was a bait and switch with Nan McKay? Now, again, $77,000 went then. I questioned them, but I'm only one person. Now, $550,000 later, they're still here. San Francisco didn't have to wait years and years. Why is Marin County? It would seem to me, in your position, that you would take that time to check with the, the authorities in from San Francisco housing, equals to equal, to see exactly what really went on in San Francisco. And then you would have the real truth from coming from someone who had the nerve enough to, to stop it. How do we know if there's not another bait and, uh, what do they call it? Uh, a bait and switch happening right before our eyes. May take who who knows the FBI to do like they did in in New York City. Hello, everyone. Marguerite Moriarty. Um, I just want to say that I concur with uh, Barbara Bogart's uh, comments regarding the contract for um, no more than a year. Um, bringing it in house, I have real reservations about that, and I. Uh, not bringing it in-house, but just that um, I heard Kimberly say, and I'm sure that she's genuine, but hoping to hire people is, is, is great. But in fact, you know, you need boots on the ground to do the job. And when w the last meeting, um, Kimberly had said that they hired three people last year and only two of those, two of those had already left. So that's a little bit different than what you said today. I mean, if I'm doing the math correctly, there was one person on the job last two weeks ago. Um, anyway, I, um, the, the good news that I've heard today is that there's gonna, going to be more face-to-face -face contact. Um, I think that uh, some of the people that probably, I mean, I presume some of them are elderly and they need someone to hold their hand a little bit with this kind of stuff, um, which I'm getting elderly. 
um, and uh, the, 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 the wages. Um, it's the same thing. I know I really shouldn't probably say this, but about, I am about, it's the same problem with the IHSS caregivers. I mean, um, you know, they're not uh, at any, and that's why I said last week when I was here, we can do better, and I know you, I believe genuinely that you all want to do better. Thank you. Hi, I'm uh, Jeffrey Shaskin. I live in Greenbury. I've lived in Marin for 40 plus years, and um, I have some comments about how are people figuring this uh, 425,000, because for me it means that if you do 2,500 people, it costs $170 per person per year. And is, are people looking at that cost and deciding is, is NHA uh, or NMA, are they the uh, cheapest people? and? and to do this job? And how much are they paying the 500 people? Are they equal? Are they higher? Are they lower? Um, so that's what I would be looking at. Uh, the other thing is, last uh, two weeks ago, there were a lot of people from Marin City who got up here and talked about the mold and the rats and the ants. And, you know, you live in Marin County. Mold is all over Marin County. It's in the poor housing. It's in the rich housing. When it's in the rich housing, the rich go out and they get somebody to stop it, whether it's rats or ants or mold. And how much is it to hire people? Couldn't we get hiring some people who do this for a living and start thinking about just doing that? Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. Um, my name is Crystal Lewis. I'm a Housing Choice voucher recipient. And um, I'm new to all of this and a little nervous. Um, what I would like to see is that the county work with MHA, if they're not already, to identify metrics and key performance indicators in order to provide oversight, value-added oversight, um, catch and or catch or identify any gaps or problems, determine accurate root causes, and develop, develop applicable corrective actions. This should be some type of living document subject to review and continuous improvement. That's it. Um, I wondered if I could finish my comment. No. Okay. Okay. Can I say you. Yes. Hi, I'm Melissa Clark with Mary Dawson Hayes, FDIU. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start where she left. Get a little closer to the microphone, if you would. There Can you hear go. me? Yep. Okay. This board knows better than anyone else in this chamber that it isn't something that Kimberly can do herself and the power of authority to do so isn't in her hands. So while I'm glad and relieved to see this transition plan, I hope that after this vote, the board will have a plan of its own to support Kimberly and MHA 
with the resources they need to make in-house recruitment a real, tangible possibility. Thank you all for your time and consideration. Thank you. Go ahead and come up and line up if you're going to speak. Thank you. Hi, Mary. Uh, Mary Morgan again. Um, I also really appreciate the written transition report. I think it is imperative that the only way we can hold people accountable is to have something in writing that we can point to time after time and say, have you achieved these goals? What I think is missing from the transition plan is oversight by MHA of the in-house eligibility workers. There's going to be a great deal more work at the hands of or on the shoulders of the receptionists and the people who are the front-facing people and other people who have been abused by Nan McKay and don't want to deal with them anymore. So I, I, we need oversight and proper management of those people. Um, we need to have a system for tracking, recruitment, and retention. And in that way, I support every single person who stood up here as a citizen of this county to urge this board to negotiate in good faith with the union and have an adequate compensation package. This is the only way we are going to get highly qualified people who will not only be hired and stay for training, but then stay and work at MHA for the long run. Um, I would urge this board not to allow any extensions. Please hold the MHA staff hold their feet to the fire. Nan McKay should be out by the end of the year. And I know some people think it's a wise business decision to have that flexibility, but we don't want that flexibility from an abusive third-party vendor. That's what we don't want, and I think we need to listen carefully to that. And um, again, I want to call for oversight by this commission because one of the things that Commissioner Moulton Peters asked for last time was a plan showing all of the maintenance that needed to be done, I'm a done timeline Mary. for completing it. Thank you. <coughs> My, name <is> <coughs> My name is Brian Tamil. I've been a, a Section 8 voucher recipient since about 2009. So just a general statement, overview, I say in the last six, seven years, the quality of intimate contact, good training, um, has been, I should give it a zero. Um, getting a phone call back when I'm calling the main line to get through to some, um, we have discussing an issue. No one's ever called back. I'll call two or three times. They say each time, well, it may take seven days for to get back to you. Or maybe even 10 days. Well, 20 days goes by every single time, every year. No calls have come back to say, we're returning your call. So no messaging, no demonstration of any quality control on that side with any kind of uh, an awareness of how a call had come in, come in was very specific so that there's no one even having oversight with those people saying, did you get back to those people? So it's sort of like you're out in your own boat going out to outer sea. And there's just no one there reflecting with um, 
this, the, the gap just keeps getting wider. So I, I, I don't think it's a good future with Mayor McKay. Thank you. I'm Sarah Turner from Mill Valley. And I last month, I was adamant in seconding what Commissioner Lucan had to say about the need for a plan. And it's kind of sad that we're at the point where we have this agreement now that Dan McKay is not for us, but we have to do a year to, uh, to make that happen. Uh, seems to me that the problems were, we were aware of, were easily aware of, uh, at least last year. And it could, we could be in the situation now where we already had all that work in-house, which seems to be absolutely necessary. So I'm afraid of the slip of this plan. It's, it's a plan, but it's not really the kind of a detailed plan that I have been used to having to, uh, to use. Um, I think that it, it, they're also uh, admitted uh, uncontrollables or things that, contingencies that could happen that could slip this plan. So I would hope that you would get a little bit more detail on this plan and also get a, a way of monitoring it really closely. I don't know whether once a month is going to be enough, but certainly needs to be every month that this plan is, is reviewed. Where are you? What are the contingencies? What does that mean to the timeline if we don't do this? That kind of thing. What, what are your other plans? That uh, a, a plan always has to have backups. What do you do when, when it doesn't work the way you want? So I'm just uh, glad that we got this far, Commissioner Luke, and that we have a plan of sorts, a beginning plan, I would say but monitoring is going to be so important. At least we have agreement that we don't want Nan McKay's work anymore. So thank you for listening. <clears throat> thank you. All right, that closes public comment on this item. I'm gonna bring it back to the board for any further comments. I'll start by just saying, Kimberly, I'd like you to bring us back a quarterly report on how the transition is going. Um, and then also I recommend you consider if you get a fourth applicant, it might be suitable that you bring on more than three in anticipation that there's a training process and that people have a tendency to leave in that process. So you might want to sort of overestimate what you need. And if we end up with four, I'm sure if they're really good employees, you might be able to find another place for them. But I would really recommend that. Uh, other comments from commissioners? Um, yeah, Sarah, go ahead. Um, as far as the gentleman who asked what the pricing was last night at the resident uh, council meeting at Golden Gate Village, Kimberly stated that it's uh, 190 per file. If you add it up, then that will equal the amount that she's paying Nan McKay and uh, Mr. Miller. Um, I don't know, you might wanna talk about what that amount was since he, he wasn't there. The other part was that um, Supervisor Rodoni already spoke. Um, there probably definitely needs to be benchmarks with Nan McKay um, that they have to meet. And um, I do know that um, Mr. Miller is uh, fully supportive of Kimberly's plan and how she's transitioning. 
and thinks it's the best way to transition. Thank you. Others? Uh, Commissioner Sackett. Um, so I just pulled up on the Housing Authority website while we were sitting here today the posting for these three positions. So I think we as a community can all share that information so that we hope that you get a robust pool of applicants. Um, it's very clear what the position is, and I will commit to do that myself. Um, and I appreciate Supervisor Rodoni's request for a quarterly follow-up. I mean, I think in that first quarter, we may not have a lot because this kiosk may or may not have been delivered and, and the hiring won't be there. But hopefully, you know, Director Carroll, it's also a tool for you to just see, you know, where, where the benchmarks are and if you need to come back and ask us for something else or ask for a direction if something's not progressing, the recruitment doesn't go you know, as robustly as we hope, let us know, and, and we're here to, you know, support this transition process the whole way through. Thanks. Oh. Uh, I'd like to uh, comment on the young lady who was uh, asking to, uh, for, to be moved. There's a thing called reasonable requests reasonable accommodations for you and if you live with your landlord they have an obligation to accommodate you on a reasonable accommodation request but that being said if you're not getting any action with them no response from them or to help you with this maybe the housing authority who which is the keeper of the of the uh, section 8 at least should maybe call and ask the landlord what's the problem here because if you're not getting any help that's just unacceptable I mean you shouldn't be stressing over something like that so and one last thing for all these people who spoke about Nan McKay I'm gonna tell you this I had the same problem they sent me a letter of eviction can you imagine that? <laughs> so they sent it to me, and they hadn't even sent my recertification papers. I hadn't seen them in a year. This is a true story. You know, so unfortunately for me, somebody caught it, and you know I had been overpaying my rent for over a year, and the landlord had to send me a check back. So I know the problems with the name McKay. I, I mean, they're real. So don't anybody, I'm not, untouched by it because no I have the same problems so I just want to thank you I wasn't going to say very much usually I talk to the director but yes you're absolutely correct about Nan McKay Commissioner Lucas uh, I, I just want to thank everybody that came and spoke at our meeting uh, two weeks ago and came and spoke again today uh, you're, you're helping us make this process better moving forward not just for those that are currently uh, on vouchers, but for every new voucher holder. Uh, but at the same time, I want to rec I want to commend our staff because they listened, they heard, and they came back with this plan. I know it might not be perfect for everyone, um, but our staff was very responsive in coming back with this. And I think there is much more agreement in this room than there is disagreement. I just want to reiterate, you know, one last section here in the staff report where it says. Housing authorities are responsible for ensuring that recertifications occur timely per HUD requirements and retaining a deep bench of MHA staff, that would be first, Scott Miller Consulting, 
second, and then Nan McKay as a last resort. That, that's in the staff report. So I, I want you to recognize that our staff, our board, we, we've heard these concerns, um, and I just want to you know, thank our staff for res being responsive, coming back with this. There is more agreement here than there is disagreement, and thank you for working forward, look, working with us so that we can make this process better for all current voucher holders and future voucher holders. Uh, and then with that, I'm, I'm when it comes time, uh, happy to support uh, the recommendation. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lucan, I want to build on what you just said. I think we are building a better process here with the staff. And I, and I thank everyone for your comments. Uh, so I also uh, would like to support uh, quarterly reports that uh, President Rodoni has asked for. Uh, I agree it would be helpful to have some metrics and measurements. I'm wondering if NARO is a place we might go to look for those. I have to tell you, as a board of supervisor member, we don't usually get into this level of detail. For um, we, we leave it to the general manager to measure things, but I, I, I hear the comment about more oversight on the board's part, and uh, I, take that, uh, I, I take that comment in. I think we could do more ourselves. Um, Mary, thank you for reminding me about the maintenance request. I did make that request, and it is something I'm following up internally with the staff, but we'll make that more pronounced in the future. I, I want to say, you know, whatever happened seven years ago, our executive director was not the same person, and I think we've got to let the seven years ago go. Let it go. We're not, it's not seven years ago, it's 2024. So let's go from where we are. We can only go forward with history informing us. We're not gonna change HUD overnight, folks. If we don't like some of their rules, it's gonna be a long slog to change them. So let's make, make it work <coughs> as best we can. I think we just have to be real about that. And then, um, you know, finally, I, I just want to say, you're hearing commitment from this board and from the staff to uh, do better, and we will. I think we made a good start. We'll flesh out the details. Uh, let's all hold some positive intention for moving forward. And you're welcome to call us on it in the future, but also tell us when we're doing stuff right, please. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Rice. Yeah, thank you. I'll be quick. Um, I'm gonna, uh, concur with all the comments that have been made. I think um, Commissioner Lucan, thank you for framing things up so well in terms of the comprehensive picture. I just wanna um, uh, re-emphasize um, appreciation to you, Kimberly, and to staff for coming back with this plan. Whether or not it's perfect um, is, I don't think, for us to judge at this moment. It, you know, it's gonna be the execution, and we're still dealing with human beings, whether they're on staff or with Nan McKay or clients and, or a machine, a kiosk, you know, who, how's that gonna work? Um, but I, 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 you know, you were extremely responsive and I thank the public for bringing it to our attention, but I don't think, um, I, I'm, I wanna support you, Kimberly, and staff in, in terms of how we move forward with this. I also wanna remind folks, as um, Commissioner Peters did, that um, you know, Kimberly inherited a lot of um, what exists today as part of the Housing Authority, including the Nan McKay contract and that history there. And in fact, the responsibility really rests on us as a commission, not even former executive directors, because we okayed the bringing on of Nan McKay however many years back. And so um, I just wanna make sure that we're accountable we're taking responsibility for accountability at all levels of the organization. Uh, just call that out. 
Um, but then uh, lastly, um, I do, um, I think I know in my remarks and in some of the other remarks that have been made, it's feeling like it's all resting on staff in terms of making sure things don't go wrong. And I'm a little worried that we're not gonna hold Nan McKay's feet to the fire with whatever files do they do end up working. So I, I we gotta we gotta while we're having to rely on them, we need to hold their feet to the fire. Uh, and then lastly just remind folks that this is an up to amount. And so um, it's uh, no guarantee that um, that all those files end up being processed by Nan McKay that are authorized through this contract. Really, it's an up to amount. So I think we're going to all do our best to make sure those positions are filled. I like the idea of overfilling to a degree. I know we have a really hard time filling our eligibility worker positions at the County of Marin as well. A lot of them are entry level positions, and there's this is a very tough time for public agencies. But also clearly, um, here here are folks on staff and the need for reinforcements and the importance of, of compensation. So anyway, um, Kimberly, thank you for the work and, um, and for all that you do and your staff. Commissioner Kenson, no, sir. No, public comment, time's over. Um, real quick, um, of course I'm gonna echo what everybody said, um, but uh, I, I do wanna make sure that um, there are some benchmarks put in the contract when you do sign the contract extension. Also, is there a reason why we're uh, possibly putting that exercise option for additional year? Do you foresee that you might need an additional year for some reason? Uh, well, I just wanted to make sure we have a good runway to make sure we are, we're not gonna drop any balls. The, as you can see, it's a very small contract that would be in ex into next year if we weren't completely successful in getting everybody trained, getting everybody in place, and you know moving forward it, with our plan. Okay, and then um, maybe uh, I, I agree with uh, Supervisor Rice that um, uh, maybe the commission has to take some of the blame. It's not all on MHA staff members. Um, and that's why we have to start taking a closer look at some of the processes um, and maybe that we could have some uh, metrics on when RFPs are put out um, and understand that process a little better so that we're making sure that you guys are making sure <laughs> that we're doing the recruiting fairly, evenly, it's out there for people to see so that maybe we can get uh, different offers. And I wanna thank all the union members, staff members. I know you guys work really hard. Um, and I appreciate you. We all do. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thank you. So we're looking to approve the contract with NMA for Section 4.21 of the MHA procurement policy. And I'll, Commissioner Lucan, you want to move that? Uh, yes, I'd be happy to uh, move the recommendation. And I think uh, the chair had mentioned a quarterly report back. Second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Abstain. The motion carries, thank you. Okay, we're moving to item F. Item F is a request from the executive director to adopt the resolution to approve the application for specified grant funds from the Budget Act of 2023 for $1,000,000 to the County of Marin for Golden Gate Village playground upgrades. Uh, we're gonna get a staff report, Kimberly. Yes, uh, this was a grant that we submitted to the state and through um, 
Assemblyman Connolly's office, we were able to get awarded a million dollars for the upgrade to the playgrounds, three playgrounds in Golden Gate Village. So we are excited to do that. Um, Adrian Chorley is working with the resident council and, and a group of residents to sort of start some beginning um, conversations about what those playgrounds might look like and what we want to what we want to see in Golden Gate Village, and then also be working with our historic process to do that. So what, what we're asking here is that you'll um, sign the resolution so that we can move forward to start to get have this money drawn down from the state. Great. Questions of staff? Uh, Commissioner Canton. So much like with everything, I'd like, um, once the money is uh, drawn down, I'd like to have um, some kind of performance evaluation or uh, benchmarks on how far you are when you're getting it done what the labor is, um, at least, you know, quarterly or something so that we can follow up on it so that nobody can come back and say, hey, you guys weren't looking at this money being spent and we don't see a playground. So I think that would be advisable. Other commissioners? I have one more. Sure. I just, before we, before we close, um, <clears throat> I would just like to uh, speak to the director in, in saying that as we move through this rehab, uh, it was suggested at the conference that it is imperative that you keep the tenants up to date on what's going on, how things are being done, and that it was suggested that we sent out a letter directly to the tenants stating what our plan is and how long it's going to take for that process. But also, for the, for the residents, I asked a question about the historical preservation too there. And I was told that uh, it's not going to be simple. It's not going to. It's not going to be easy to do things without getting uh, keeping with the historical preservation. Uh, and Marin City is on that registry, and so somebody is watching there. So it's not going to be easy. And so we need to uh, also let the residents know that that this is not going to be a quick six-month fix process. It's going to be over a period of time, and it needs to be very clear to the residents, like sending out every month in the letter where we're at. And that will solve all the problems. And that's what was recommended from the panel on when we were talking about repositioning. So I'm going to leave it there. The commissioners? Would like to hear? I want to say this is very exciting. This grant, we're going to have new playgrounds. That's a good. That's a great thing for the kids. So, uh, can I move this item? I think we need to go to public comment on okay, this. Okay, let's item. go to public comment, and then I'll move this item. <laughs> Al, Al, you want to go public comment, please? Um, President Redoni, there are no speakers in the queue. Uh, anyone in the chamber want to comment on this item? All right, seeing none, we're looking for a motion to adopt resolution 2024-2-1 and the application. So moved. Second. Second. Oh. Second by Rice. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, abstain, thank you. So now we are recessing in the closed session as the Learned Housing Authority Board of Commissioners and this is related to labor. Anyone want to comment on this item before we go into closed session? Al, anyone online? 
President Rodoni, there are no speakers in the queue. And no, anyone in the chamber? Thank you all. Uh, the next board meeting is February 27th. That's the Board of Supervisors. And I don't know the date of our next meeting, but it's in March. March 12th. March, March 12th. 12th. Thank you. Thank right. you. And so I don't, e I don't expect an announcement out of closed session. So uh, unless something changes, we won't come back into open session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.